is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Friday, March 17th, 2023, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family still celebrating the launch of the MyPillow version 2.0. Get a promo code STEAK at checkout and you're going to get buy one, get one free. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. And a promo code stake here, you're getting 25% off your order, 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash stake. If you want the pillows, if you want the coffee, mystore.com forward slash stake. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, Happy Noah's back, get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Aussie.com is the website. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on, on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to everyone joining us today from the Republican High Command, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social, welcome Friday edition Steak for Breakfast podcast episode 222. I'm Roan. I already said Noah's back. Yo. Alan Jacoby, I teased him on Tuesday. He's back on Friday. Guys, we had a big show. Colonel McGregor is going to be here. So is Devin Nunez. We're going to be sitting down with Chris Powell for the first time as well. But before we get into any of that, happy St. Patrick's Day. And let's jump right into the news. All right. So, guys, welcome. Friday edition. Like I said, Noah's back in studio. Very excited for that. Noah, welcome. Perfect. And the CEO of the Patriot Cigar Company, host of The Great Divide, Alan Jacoby, did such a great job. I know it was out, as he always does a great job, co-hosting on Steak for Breakfast. We invited him back for this Friday edition of the show. Alan, welcome. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Best pinch hitter ever. Mm. That's not an Irish joke, pinch. He's not wearing <laughs> green. No. Te- technically, he should be getting pinched right now. Well, you can't see me from the waist down. So. Oh. Oh, wow. I like it. You might, you, only, might, you might need a cream for that. If you guys only knew what we talked about offline. So... <laughs> Listen, everybody's least favorite leprechaun and real-life Mr. Garrison, Lindsey Graham, is salivating at the fact mm. that uh, we could potentially be in a hot war with Russia at some point in the extremely near future. Hot pants? Mm. We're going to be talking about the drone that was down this week, which I thought was it was pretty funny watching the video. They're like spraying gas on it. <laughs> then they give it a little <laughs> ding with the wing, knock the propeller off, and 
into the uh, ocean it went. Oh, I haven't seen that video. So it's pretty good. It's all right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it looks like uh, what would be the outtakes from like a serious plane movie, like a Top Gun movie. This would be the outtakes. <laughs> so, but, and, and you know, with the way we have Austin Millie and Joe Biden as as the top three people running our military and armed forces right now, you could only derive about uh, how strong we look on the world, especially after the Chinese spy balloons and things of that nature. So. Yeah, it, it's been kind of a weird week. News has been up and down. Our Congress people have been all over the place, out stumping on the road, doing events. People are going to the NCAA tournament, sniffing Kamala Harris. Uh, <laughs> yes. So some of our Congress people were down on the southern border this week. We're going to check in on them later as well. Um, and at the end of this segment, where we're going to highlight, you know, some of the stuff that's been going on in Ukraine, especially with the drone warfare now, which was a hot topic, a little bit, uh, you know, center of the week. We're going to be sitting down with Colonel Douglas McGregor for the first time. Great. Everybody's always, you know, checking him out on Tucker Carlson. He's been given probably the most straight shooting analysis and commentary on the war in Ukraine, what's really going on and, and what the real objective should be and where this, you know, conflict is probably going in just a bit. But I did see that Lindsey Graham jumped on with boomer sweats and it was such an awful interview which encapsulated in an hour of Sean Hannity basically stumping for a hot war with Russia and China at the same time that Tucker Carlson went the next day and basically crapped on him for it. Let's hear it. Lindsey Graham didn't ask many penetrating questions. No, he moved immediately, seized the opportunity to demand that the Pentagon attack the Russian Air Force. Here he is. Well, we should hold him accountable and say that if you ever get near another uh, U.S. set flying in international waters, your airplane would be shot down. What would Ronald Reagan do right now? He would he would start shooting Russian planes down if they were threatening our assets. What would Ronald Reagan do? Oh, good question, Senator Graham. Is that a wristband? Ronald Reagan's two-term presidency was notable for the fact that he did not declare war on the Russian Air Force, and therefore the United States did not go to war with Russia. And millions of lives were saved as a result. That's not a small thing. Put one in the Reagan win column there. Another president they told you was a crazed warmonger who actually kept us out of war, but won the Cold War anyway. Fact check true. And how did Reagan do that? Well, simple. He kept the American economy strong. Do you remember that? Seems like a long time ago. It's pretty much the opposite of the approach being pushed right now by Lindsey Graham and his friends in the war party. Their plan is to ignore our borders in the United States, but to defend Ukraine's. They're even funding the Ukrainian pension system. Not kidding as our own American banks collapse. What would Ronald Reagan do? He'd probably vomit if he saw it. <laughs> We're glad Ronald Reagan is not here to watch Lindsey Graham invoke his name to justify anti-American stupidity. What about Lindsey Graham's plans, the plans of almost every Republican senator in the U.S. Senate and all the Democrats? How would they help the United States? Well, they never answer that question because they couldn't be less interested. So back in the modern era where the rest of us live, you've got to wonder what exactly is going on here. So Lindsey Graham is telling us we have to attack the Russian Air Force. Why now? And that's a good point that hopefully we'll be able to uh, break down a little bit with Colonel McGregor in just a few minutes. But, yeah, not a surprise to see Lindsey Graham doing that. I was uh, thinking the other day, I, I kind of had a hypothesis about, you know, everybody always tries to crap on the Donald Trump-Lindsey Graham relationship. Even lately, as we've been... Uh, you know, absolutely oh, yeah. dunking on all the Team DeSantis out there on all, across all of our social medias. It's It's been pretty – I feel like 
we were down a couple weeks ago, but this week I really felt like we were back. We're getting blocked by all of these uh, DeSantis <laughs> <laughs> surrogates, and uh, the coping and seething is real. And, you know, sometimes instead of, like, even saying anything remotely intelligent or, or you know, having a bot go into the comment, you look, they have no posts and, like, zero followers following eight. We're, of course, one of them. Thanks. <laughs> They'll just put a picture of Trump and Lindsey Graham on the stage together, like at a Trump rally or something. And, and you want to know what? For as much as Lindsey Graham is, is married to the military-industrial complex, I've always thought their relationship is strong, number one, because, I mean— South Carolina is a top five state when you get into the primaries. So you have to be strong there. I mean, Donald Trump has their most popular senator, unfortunately, and the governor uh, on his campaign team there. So that's strategic. Lindsey Graham still gets to do everything for the military industrial complex when somebody like Donald Trump is in the White House because we're replenishing our own military. And uh, all those government contracts are still racking up. And then you got to remember all the business we did with places like Turkey, Saudi Arabia, Israel, UAE. Like, I don't really think Lindsey Graham cares where the money comes from as long as the money's still going in or out. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what that's what I feel like the relationship has been able to, you know, survive over the course of, I mean, you remember back in 2015, they were shitting on each other every day until really? Lindsey got out of the primary. But, um, yeah, you know, just typical rhetoric from him, not too surprising. What was surprising was the fact that, you know, we were flying this unarmed surveillance drone in a place where Russia is technically conducting military operations. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't know what the deal is here, whether we're conducting reconnaissance for Ukraine or we're trying to figure out and get ahead of some of the moves that Russia's making. But uh, that's where the incident happened, and uh, we had the absolute best and brightest in our military, General Milley mm. and Secretary Austin, do a joint presser from the Pentagon. And uh, we're going to hear from them briefly right now. Let's start off with uh, general pronouns. Uh, for the question. On the intentionality, don't know. I do uh, plan to talk to uh, uh, my counterpart, General Garizimov. Uh, we have a scheduled call. We'll see if that works out. <clears throat> um, so... Was it intentional or not? Uh, don't know yet. We know that the intercept was intentional. Uh, we know that the aggressive behavior was intentional. We also know it was very unprofessional and very unsafe. Uh, the actual contact of the uh, fixed-wing uh, Russian fighter with our UAV, the physical contact of those two, not sure yet. That remains to be seen. Uh, but I can't. Uh, uh, I can tell you with certainty, though, that we have absolute evidence of, of the contact, and the intercepts, et cetera, and it's very aggressive. Uh, you've heard about the dumping of the fuel and everything else. We have video evidence of all that. So um, there's, there's no question that that part of it's intentional. The actual physical contact of the aircraft, that I'm not so sure. Uh, so we'll have to figure that out. That we're, not, we're not positive of that yet. As far as an active war goes, I'm not going to go there. Incidents happen, um, and, and uh, clearly uh, we do not uh, seek armed conflict with, uh, with Russia. And, uh, and, and I believe that uh, uh, at this point we should investigate this incident. Uh, and move on from there. But we will continue to exercise our rights in international airspace. I mean, I don't know what there is to uh, investigate there, Mark. You know, everybody's seen the video. The Russians obviously saw this drone was conducting some kind of reconnaissance and uh, decided to investigate a little bit, and mm -hmm. they fucked with it and then knocked it out of the sky. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty clear as day. Uh, you know, all the logistics of the actual situation, I have no idea. A lot of people don't either. It's not like anybody in our government. A lot of word salad and doublespeak. 
But so it's really important that the American public understands that we're still trying to do whatever we can to poke the bear without actually poking it. I, I know everybody made the big deal out of this being an unarmed drone. What if it was an armed drone? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Would, would that have made the situation a whole lot different? So I, I just think, uh, you know, we're in dangerous waters, and I think we have so many distractions at home with the potential housing crisis, the current economy, the banks failing, southern border, rampant crime, you name it. Um that our government wants to just keep pouring money and military aid into this situation, and sometimes they just aren't paying attention to it. Like, I literally think they take their mind off of this place and, and, and the severity of where this situation could go. Uh, you know, something else that's pretty important when you talk about severity levels is uh, where you're listening today. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, make sure you're subscribing to the show. It helps expand the base. Also throws us into the suggestions algorithm faster. In addition to that, across every social media is Twitter, Getter, Instagram, True Social. Type in Steak for Breakfast Podcast. You'll thank us later. Make sure you're hitting the notification bells there so every time we're posting and uh, dunking on people, sharing fire memes or, or stuff about the show, you can know everything that's going on with us. I promised we were going to hear from the dynamic duo. We've already heard from general pronouns. Let's hear from uh, Darth Visor, mm. Secretary Austin, answering some of the same questions. But before I get to that important work, I want to say just a few words about a troubling episode yesterday. Thank you. On Tuesday, Russian aircraft again engaged in dangerous and reckless and unprofessional behavior. Again? In the international airspace over the Black Sea. Two Russian jets dumped fuel on an unmanned U.S. MQ-9 aircraft conducting routine operations in international airspace. And one Russian jet struck our MQ-9 aircraft, resulting in a crash. And this hazardous episode is a part is part of a pattern of aggressive, ris- risky, and unsafe actions by Russian pilots in international airspace. Now, I just got off the phone with my Russian counterpart, Minister Shoigu. Phone. And as I've said repeatedly, it's important that great powers be models of transparency. I thought he was going for Spider-Man and there. And, and the United States will continue to fly and to operate wherever international law allows. And it is incumbent upon Russia to operate as military aircraft in a safe and professional manner. Now, let me turn to the important work of this contact group. Oh, we're not going to hear anything about mm. any kind of contact group. Sounds like he was going oh. down the path of pronouns to where he was going to throw it over to General Milley. Uh, but, yeah, so so basically what we alluded to is what happened. You know, they, they saw this drone. They started fucking with it. Then they started spraying it with extra spent fuel. And uh, then somebody gave a little tap with the wing and, and sent it into the ocean. So... It's pretty crazy times we're in, and I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if this happens more than we're told. And I really just think, like, some of our geopolitical foes right now are, like, honestly talking with each other and, like, bang, I fucking do anything. Yeah, they're like, shit. Nothing. You know what they're going to do? They're going to send another couple billion dollars to Ukraine because they knocked their drone out of the sky. And they all start laughing, like Alan's laughing right now, but it's the sad part. Can you blame Russia, though? I mean, listen, all right, international airspace, whatever, U.S. surveillance drone, the... the two Russian MiGs, whatever they saw it, they're going to, 
hey, we're going to mess with it. It's an un... What is this dangerous and reckless crap? It didn't kill anybody. It's an unmanned drone. They tapped it. It crashed. They're probably recovering it or have recovered it. Do we know if Russia has recovered the uh, our drone yet? I believe, I believe they did. And and you know what else, Alan, off of what you're saying? Who, who says... Both of them said this was unprofessional. Like... Who talks like that when when you're talking about like an international incident between two world superpowers? Unprofessional and unsafe. Oh, mm. now, unsafe, no shit. It fucking crashed. It doesn't get any less safe. And then and then Darth Visor just just <laughs> says, you know, he's on the phone with his Russian counterpart. When was that? Yesterday, a couple days ago. And you have Russia, you know, coming out today that's vowing to destroy all fighter jets donated to Ukraine by European nations. And this is because now Poland and Slo and Slovakia backed. By the new equipment and finance from us and the EU are now going to be sending war warplanes to Ukraine. It's you, out this morning. You, you want to so, know? You want to know what came out yesterday, Alan? That went under the radar. I was waiting to insert this into the show for like the last two episodes. I've had the article up on my phone. With all the crap going on, it went right under the radar. So there was a bipartisan letter of asking sent to Joe Biden's desk from. Senators from both sides of the aisle. Some of the names are very disappointing. Obviously, piece of shit Mark Kelly from Arizona. No big surprise there. The guy is, is basically the creator of the Chinese spy balloons. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but he is. Mm. And still owns a lot of stock in the company that literally makes the balloons that flew over the United States. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that never came up in the campaign and how we didn't hammer it with him. But that's, that's neither here nor there. So Mark Kelly was on it. And also signing the letters were Democrats Tammy Duckworth. There you go. Tim Kaine, uh, Martin Henrich of New Mexico, Jackie Rosen of Nevada, and the Republicans. No surprise here. This is probably her staffers on her behalf, Lisa Murkowski. Mm. But Tommy Tuberville, big-time Trump, already endorsed President Trump, huge MAGA, a peace through strength guy, and Ted Budd, like one of the two crown jewels of Donald Trump's endorsements in the Senate the hell? in the 2022 midterms just this year. You know, Ted Budd and... and Obviously, J.D. Vance, who didn't sign the bill. Um, so, yeah, this is the kind of stuff that if the news cycle is spinning so out of control, if you blink, you miss it. And I saw it, and then I tried to find it, and it was, like, completely off Twitter. I put in that every word combination, like, senators, F-16s, like, nothing. So then I'm like, man, where was it from? So I start going, like... Vice, Vox, The Daily Beast. It was Politico. Next was going to be Atlantic, but it was Politico. And then it was right on their, you know, front page. And uh, so I pulled the article, and, and I want to give our listenership that receipts that even some of the most supposedly America first senators out there, Tommy Tuberville and Ted Budd, are asking Joe Biden, please send F-16 fighter jets over to the war in Ukraine to fight the Russians. So that's kind of where we're at. Also, what's going on, and hopefully we get to touch on this with... Uh, Colonel McGregor in just a second, China and, and Russia's leaders are going to meet for the first time next week, Monday through Wednesday. They're going to have a face-to-face -face in Moscow. So Xi Jinping is going to go over to Russia and, and meet with Vladimir Putin. Well, that's not good. And Vladimir and uh, Xi Jinping also plans on speaking with Vladimir okay. Zelensky remotely by the end of the week after mm -hmm. the meeting with Russia. Because, you know, they're trying to broker this on both ends. Give Russia lethal force and all the logistics they need while they're telling Ukraine, like, yeah, Three quarters of your country's level, we'll fix it at a decent right. interest rate. Do you think he's going to send him a care package of some green pajamas? <laughs> Wait, stop it. And by the way, when we invade Taiwan, Russia, you'll have our back, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm, perfect. So you'll, you'll, you'll hold them <laughs> off on the eastern front. And that's probably uh, laughable now, but, but honestly true. The sad part of the matter is 
the Biden administration and the State Department for the Biden regime tried to get out ahead of this by saying, like, they could all talk however the fuck they want. Like, we're not going to acknowledge any of it. And we're going to probably tell Ukraine not to acknowledge it either because we're bankrolling this operation. Senator Kirby, on the road with Joe Biden yesterday, gave a audio-only uh Q&A with some of the press pool that was traveling around. Right before we jump in with uh, Colonel McGregor here, let's hear him. Uh, for instance, uh, you guys saw the 12-point plan uh, that was much ballyhooed. Um, it calls for a ceasefire. And, uh, and while that sounds perfectly reasonable and uh, it sounds like a good thing, a ceasefire right now would basically ratify Russia's conquest. Uh, it would, in effect... Uh, recognize Russia's gains um, in in all of its attempts to, to conquer a, neighbor, uh, a neighbor's territory by force. Um, it would also, just by dint of doing that, uh, allow Russian uh, troops to continue to occupy sovereign Ukrainian ground. So a ceasefire right now, in our view, would constitute another continued violation uh, of the UN Charter. Russia. Is that not crazy? It, it, he literally said if Xi Jinping can broker a ceasefire tomorrow, all it does is acknowledge Russian victories, and, and we will not acknowledge it as legitimate. That's crazy. We just don't want it wow. to end. Yeah, no, we certainly don't. I mean, we've already invested so much in where when, where are the returns going to come from? And, and I mean the royal we, not us. I mean like us as a country because the people that are running it are. Because they want a war. They're they hell-bent on it. Yeah, they need a war. They need Joe Biden to be a wartime president during the election cycle so he can't he can't be beat, he can't be removed, he can't be impeached, he can't be 25th amendment, he can't remove a uh, a a sitting president, a wartime president, and it'll it'll in the last ditch effort it helps them in their eyes that if they're in a war and see what Joe Biden is doing to protect democracy in Ukraine and all this at that level, sure. That they think that'll help them going into the election. I agree. I, I just don't think it's going to. There's a very big fatigue level in this country right now for this stuff. The banking crisis and the incoming housing crisis are only going to contribute to the money that they're going to print and, and pull us into a depression to where things are going to get so bad here. I think by late into the fall, winter of this coming year. People are going to start talking about, but don't forget Ukraine, and they're just going to be over it. Yeah, there's like, fuck Ukraine. Yeah. yeah, I'm ready for some presidential primary season right there, just like we're ready to sit down uh, with Colonel McGregor in just a second. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. You know how you've gotten that chewy, hard, disappointing jerky from the gas station? Oh. you got to try some of this jerky we just got from Farmer Bill's. It's soft and tender because it's cured and air-dried instead of dehydrated, like that other junk. Ingredient conscious, there's no sugar, no soy, or other additives, just beef, salt, and spices. Working on those gains, it's protein on the go with a very respectable 32 grams of protein per two ounces. That's twice the amount of that other jerky. So if you'd like to support small business and you like your food source in the USA, order some Farmer Bills with the code STEAK for an extra five bucks off. Buy a 12-pack, you can get free shipping. The only thing better than this tender jerky is supporting an American-made company that shares your values. Get yourself some Farmer Bills traditionally air-dried beef jerky today. Joining us first on the show today, he's a retired Army colonel and government consultant, author, we're excited to have him. He's making a steak for breakfast debut. Colonel Douglas McGregor, thanks for joining us on the show. Sure. Sir, how's everything going from with you? You know, we've, we've been tracking you. We, we share a lot of your material on our show. We've played some of the clips of you on especially Tucker Carlson. And uh, it seems like since the start of the conflict, 
in Ukraine last year, last February, you've been the only straight shooter out there who's, you know, had the uh, courage to actually tell it like it is, whether or not any of our government officials, the president, countries that are uh, both allies and foes to the United States want to hear it. You've, you've become the gold standard of, of pretty much laying it out there for the American public. In regards to the conflict and where it's at right now, what's the most up-to-date information you could give our listenership? Well, you know, that's an important question. And the most up-to-date information I have right now is that uh, the Ukrainians indicate that they've lost 250,000 men in this war that started a little over a year ago, and which is a frightening number. You stop and consider that we lost 58,000 killed in Vietnam over 10 years. Sure. The idea that within the space of about 13 months, you could lose 250,000 is seriously upsetting. The Ukrainians have lost 402 aircraft. We're talking about fighter jets, fighter aircraft, along with 256 helicopters. Three or 400,000 wounded, but most of the Ukrainians are so badly wounded that they'll never return to duty. And as we're sitting here and talking, uh, they're apparently driving around in cities like Odessa and Kiev with vans going in and forcibly removing young men and men over the age of 40, even people in their 50s, and now increasingly some young women and forcing them into these vans and telling them you're going to the front. Yeah. So these Ukrainians are showing up with maybe, if they're lucky, three or four weeks of prep. And their life expectancy on the front fighting the Russians is about three to four hours. The Russians have lost probably 30,000 dead and 60 to 70,000 wounded, which is considerably less. But we have to understand that this war is unlike the wars that we fought in recent years. This is a war between two organized forces. But on one side, on the Russian side, for every one gun, that is artillery system or rocket system, missile system, the Russians have 10. And so the Ukrainians are under a constant uh, bombardment uh, from overhead. And that, that has inflicted 75% of the casualties on the Ukrainians. So the bottom line is Ukraine has never, never been winning. It's always been losing. And the sad part is that the Russians have consolidated control of the, of the terrain that provides for 90% of gross national product in Ukraine. Uh, it also happens to be where most of the Russians live that are in Ukraine. And they have simply been defending, maneuvering only to encircle and destroy attacking Ukrainian forces. And at the same time, we keep insisting that the, the Russians are incompetent, stupid, incapable, which they're not, and the Ukrainians are on the verge of winning. So, you know, you take your pick what you want to believe. And then on top of this, we now have a banking crisis. Uh, as I, I was sitting here watching uh, another series of financial analysts tell us that there are three more banks folding. They were talking about the Republic Bank in New York, and I guess the Republic Bank has now received $11 billion in cash from 10 other banks. The problem is that there is a list of 15 banks, including Morgan Chase and PNC Financial and all sorts of others that are on very shaky ground and are expected to potentially go under. And then the question is, what do you do in Washington? You're hiking interest rates to try and control inflation. If you print more money, you're exacerbating inflation, debasing the currency. 
So where do we go from here? I, I think in Washington, people are beginning a, a kind of come to Jesus moment. We've exhausted our war stocks. We, we really can't afford to ship anything else out. The Europeans have exhausted their war stocks. And, you know, we haven't really gone to war. The Russians, on the other hand, are producing military equipment and ammunition 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Their force is rapidly approaching 1.5 million. They've got over 740,000 troops facing west, of which 550,000 are poised to attack Ukraine. Might be a good idea to talk to the Russians and put an end to this thing before things get worse, because Ukraine as a nation, as a state, is being destroyed. Right. This has nothing to do with being pro-Russian or pro-Ukrainian. This is a terrible war that should never have happened. All we had to do was talk to the Russians, and the Russian demands were very modest. Make Ukraine neutral. Good Lord, neutrality is a good thing. Yeah. It puts a huge buffer between us and the Russians. It removes what the Russians rightfully identified as a serious threat to them. We were building up a huge Ukrainian army. It had only one purpose, attack Russia. They were worried that we were going to bring in missiles on the scale that they did in Cuba in 1960s. You know, legitimate concerns. We refuse to cooperate, refuse to negotiate. So now the Ukrainian state and nation are practically destroyed. Russia is stronger in, in economic and military terms than it's been in 30 years, and we are weaker for it. Sounds to me like we should talk and put an end to this, but I'm not in the Biden administration. Well, we're extremely thankful for that. And, uh, you know, you talked about, you touched briefly on the economic crisis. You mentioned J.P. Morgan. According to Jim Cramer, he said J.P. Morgan was a fortress. So when you, yeah. tell, you tell us it's on shaky ground, <laughs> kinda, we might have to fact check Jim Cramer again because he has a, he would not be my pick to, to select lottery numbers for me, to say the least. Colonel, you know, why, why is the American public being told the exact opposite of what the reality is from some of the real insiders? We consider yourself, obviously, like we said, the gold standard for, you know, relaying the information here and just kind of laying it out logistically. It's not like you're making like there were some big secret deals going on. It's literally Russia trying to protect their sovereignty and what the United States has done since, you know, as early as the start of 2014 uh, to bolster Ukraine into basically being a landing pad, an expansion of NATO, uh, probably a future extension of the EU. And, uh, you know, what would be uh, a threat in every single way, shape and form due to the vast amount of natural resources and how important those resources are for the global economy that, that Russia is responsible for. Well, surely, uh, if Mexico hosted an army of six or 700,000 that had been trained, equipped, and advised by the Russians for the sole purpose of attacking and, quote-unquote, liberating New Mexico, Arizona, and Texas from American control, I can only imagine what Americans would demand that we do. And I think we would have reacted exactly the way the Russians have, probably uh, more violently. I, you know, the, the thing is, a lot of people are invested in the big lie. Right. And the big lie is that we're fighting for democracy and liberalism, which, which we aren't. There's nothing democratic or liberal about Ukraine. In fact, if you put Russia side by side with Ukraine right now, Ukraine has a lot more in common with Stalin and the NKVD and the oppressive regime that ruled in, in the Soviet Union than it does with Russia. Russia is... Uh, 
not exactly the gleaming pearl of democratic liberalism, but you can speak your mind and you uh, have remarkable freedom compared with what is existing today in Ukraine. You know, if you're so invested in the lie, and these people are, and they, they continue to enrich themselves as a result of the massive in investment in defense and defense systems, plus, you know, they see themselves as on the precipice of dominating the world. This is about uh, global hegemony for the globalist elite that controls Europe and North America. And they, they see themselves as losing, and they are losing. They're going to be driven out. This is going to go very badly for them because it's not just us. It's also the Europeans, the French, the Germans, the Dutch, the Swedes, the Italians, the Spaniards. People are waking up. They're discovering, you know, we, we don't want to live in this globalist world. We're tired of being flooded with unwanted migrants that are pouring into our country who hate us who hate our culture, who hate our race. You know, this has got to stop. And Americans are sitting around trying to figure out why do we open our borders uh, to large numbers of people? We don't know where they're from. Well, we know roughly where they're from, but we don't know what they've done. We don't know what they're going to do inside the United States. I, mean, I was talking to somebody the other day and said, we estimate that 30,000 Chinese came into the United States last year. Yep. We, we keep talking about this great threat from China. The threat from China is not military, but the threat is that if you leave your intellectual property on the table, they'll steal it. If you let them in, they'll do damage to you. Absolutely. So why why are we allowing this? We had 20,000 Russians come in last year. If we're so worried about Russia, why did we admit them? We haven't even begun to talk about the millions from Central America and other places. This is insanity. It doesn't make any sense. Americans have figured that out. In the meantime, we're supposed to become excited about a war in eastern Ukraine where we've never had any strategic interest whatsoever. We have no we have no reason to fight the Russians. We have no reason to fight for or against Ukrainians. It's not our affair. What are we doing? Well, what we have done is uh, push some of our largest uh, strategic adversaries together, namely Russia and China is the big ones. But when you talk about the BRICS countries overall, the fact that Saudi Arabia and, and Iran are cuddling up now, you know, you have Turkey extremely unhappy with the United States as well as India, UAE as well, not adhering to sanctions uh, on the Russians. And, and, and it seems like, uh, you know, whether or not that ever gets to a hot world war, we don't really need to lose on the battlefield to lose globally when we push all of these countries together, especially Russia and China, when you talk about just the economic impact and then the, the power they have over the global uh, energy industry as well. Oh, boy, you, you've really hit the nail on the head. This is not about a war. Military power isn't going to decide anything. This is about economics and financialization of our economy. This is about the fact that we shipped out our manufacturing base and that started in the 80s it accelerated in the 90s some of the same people that are trying to get us to spend endlessly on this war in ukraine were also interested in shipping out the manufacturing base it's the same ugly ruling class and and you're spot on the rest of the world has said we're tired of being bullied by the united states and the financial system you know we try to dictate to people what crops they'll grow if you live in Honduras or Nicaragua or somewhere else in Latin America or Southeast Asia, if you want a loan from the uh, 
various uh, financial institutions, the, the multinational ones, you've got to come to us. You've got to get permission. Then we tell you, well, this is what you're going to grow. This is where you're going to ship it. This is how you're going to make a profit. This has got to stop. You know, we we don't need to govern the whole world. There's no requirement for it. And, you know, the most important part, and you guys know this better than I do, if you asked the Americans, if we held an election, not an election, but a referendum, and we said, should we go to war with Russia, or should we go to war with China, or should we be dominating the world financially, everybody would say no. <laughs> mm. The average American would say, no, this is crazy. You know, this is about making our minds up about what we want to be. We don't live in a world divided by ideology anymore. We understand it's an economic competition. It's a contest. It's not always fair. We need to focus on building our prosperity here at home. That's the number one thing. And if Eisenhower were revivified, brought back to life from the 1950s after World War II, he would look at everybody and say, you've lost your minds. <laughs> the great strength of America is our prosperity. He'd say, where are the factories? Where's the manufacturing base? What are you doing in agriculture? What have you done to your energy sector? You know, this is what Trump tried to do. He didn't know how to do it, and he was defeated as a result. Right. But this is what he wanted to do, and thank goodness we heard DeSantis essentially say much the same thing. The crazy lunatics who are saying we're globalists, we're going to make, make sure that transgender people live everywhere and are happy everywhere, these people are nuts. They need to be jettisoned. <laughs> the overwhelming majority of the population wants peace, it wants prosperity, it wants stability. So let's get the United States Army back where it belongs, on our borders, not trying to defend some other country, not trying to bully some other country. we got to get back to understanding what's in our strategic interest. Colonel, the last thing I wanted to ask you, I think it's very important. It's the one thing that's missing from, <laughs> from pretty much all elements of this conversation right now. What's the breaking point that gets these two countries back to the negotiation table? You know, I, I heard, I saw that, um, you know, Vladimir Putin and, and Xi Jinping are going to be meeting face to face this week for the first time in a long time. And uh, John Kirby yesterday uh, from the Pentagon said that the United States is not going to acknowledge the fact that if they are able to uh, try to broker something that, you know, the United States isn't going to accept the results of that. And at the same time, we still have people like Joe Biden and, and some of his international counterparts. I mean, you've seen Boris go around and stump about it. Some of the other world leaders who are giving now, uh, you know, fighter jets and stuff to Ukraine, all saying that, like, victory is whatever Vladimir Zelensky says it is and when it is. And, and we all know that that's not the case, 100% false right there. But what's the breaking point that's going to get these two nations to the table, in your opinion? The breaking point is here at home with our economy. That's what you mentioned at the beginning. This crisis that's unfolding is going to get a lot worse. I predict that by the summer, we'll be in the throes of a deep recession that a lot of people will start calling a depression. And you've got a, an unfixable situation. We've printed money for so long. Yeah. We, we can't just recapitalize all these banks. That's not going to happen. You've got to hike interest rates to control inflation. You can't control inflation if you just print money. At some point, we're going to default. And what most Americans don't understand is that we defaulted twice in the 1930s under FDR, in 1932 and again in 1934. But we called it restructuring our debt. 
Now, what does that mean? That means that you turn to your creditors. Most of those are at home, but a lot of them are overseas. And you simply say to Saudi Arabia and Japan, other debt holders, well, we can pay you $10,000 a day, but we can't pay you the $50,000 a day that you want. And then you begin to negotiate. And the problem with this is not that we will go under as a great power. It's that there will be no credit whatsoever for years. And that's what harmed us in the 1930s. There was no credit. You couldn't borrow money to build a business. You couldn't borrow money to buy a house. The people that did well were people that owned cash and gold. Gosh, have you ever heard that before? Sure have. You know, and now we have something else called crypto. And I've concluded this is very important. And the reason I've concluded it's very important and very viable is because all the banks hate it. Yeah. It's an excellent point. And I hate all the banks. <laughs> I think everybody So hates it the must banks. be good. Yeah, there's definitely an upside to it. And I know Noah's a... Well, their their fear is that they can't control it. Right. That's the problem. Right. They want right. to. They want to regulate it. Yeah, they can't be. They can't slap the Federal Reserve note on it. And Right. Right. <laughs> They're still scared of the dips. So I, think, I think the breaking point is here at home. And as far as the Chinese are concerned, the Chinese have been trying to build rail lines that reach from China, from Shanghai and... Beijing and all the big cities in China, reaching essentially from Japan and Korea and Vietnam, all the way across Central Asia into Europe, yep. so that Europe and they can do business. Now, we've had this before. This existed previously. It existed when the Mongols ruled Central Asia and most of China. Uh, that's what they want to do, and it's going to happen. It, it, trying to stop this is like trying to stop Niagara Falls. We can't do that. What we need to do in this country, in my judgment, is we need to build super high speed rail and, and sea lift because we have the wonderful position of sitting in the middle of the world. We are between Asia, Europe, and Africa. And quite frankly, we can outpace them across Central Asia because our country from coast to coast speaks one language, or it should. And coast to coast, we have rail lines. Coast to coast, we have law and order. If we'll restore it, we can end the criminality. And we can outpace the Chinese from Shanghai to Berlin, Shanghai to Paris, Shanghai to Rochefort. This is the economic competition that needs to happen. This is not about blowing us up. It's not about blowing anybody up. It's about competing. It's about the big contest, and it's all about prosperity and order for our own people. We're not in the game. We're in the wrong game. It's not about war. We need to get out of that game. Yeah, it's so funny. We, we have the administration right now. One day it's diversity, equity, and inclusion, and the next day it's, you know, Putin must die and the regime needs to be changed. Well, let's face it, all this uh, diversity, uh, inclusion, <laughs> equity crap is all going to disappear like a fart on the wind. <laughs> I think you said it's just nonsense. It doesn't help us. It hurts us. We need to get back to understanding. Let's level the playing field and get on with life. Mm -hmm. That's it right there. Colonel, is there anywhere where we could direct our listenership to check out some more of your works or, or, or spots on television shows and podcasts that you do? Well, you can find most of the podcasts and TV spots uh, on YouTube. Uh, unless YouTube continues to take me off after a while, they took me off for a while, but there's also a channel on BitChute. At Doug McGregor TV, if, if all else fails. You know, I've written a lot of things. All you have to do is Google my name and my website, 
DouglasMcGregor.com, and uh, it's also FutureDefenseVisions.com, where I try to address a lot of these things. And uh, you know, we'll we'll eventually win. We'll, we'll we'll do the right thing. I mean, you know, Churchill said, after they've done everything else, the Americans will eventually do what's right. I think we will. I think we'll come out of this all right. But clearly, we're going to have to do much more than drain the swamp. You know, we we got to get rid of a lot of people there who are just there for themselves. We have no sense of of service to the nation at the moment. But we also have to make it profitable for everybody. And this is the problem. We That's back to leveling the playing field. we got to make it profitable for everybody in this country to make money, not just a small minority that sits on this pile of green in D.C. and Wall Street. That's an excellent point there, and we'll be looking to continue this narrative and more next time we have you back on the show. Colonel McGregor, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Sure. Good luck and God bless. Bye-bye. Breaking news out a report in the House Oversight's probe into the Biden family finances. It's the first actual evidence of a money trail going from China through a business partner of Hunter's and then into the bank accounts of Biden family members. Our senior national correspondent, Rich Edson, is here with the breaking news. What have we got, Rich? Uh, well, John, when you look at some of these payments here, House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer claims subpoenaed bank records show President Biden's daughter-in-law, Haley, received $35,000 over two transfers in 2017, Haley is Beau Biden's widow, was also in a relationship with Hunter Biden after Beau had died. Comer says Ooh. just before those transfers, a Chinese energy firm wired a family Biden associate $3 million. Comer says soon after that, the associate, Rob Walker, sent hundreds of thousands of dollars to members of the Biden family. Everyone says it was for an energy deal. Well, it looks to me like these people who are closely aligned with the Chinese Communist Party sent $3 million to a shell corporation. Then they turned around and split it three ways with a third going to the Biden family, three different family members uh, for no apparent reason. Now, much as this is from U.S. Treasury Department documents the House Oversight Committee's just reviewed, Comer says Walker initiated the transfers two months after Joe Biden left the vice presidency. Walker worked with President Biden's son, Hunter, and his brother, Jim, on a partnership with Chinese energy firm CEFC. His office has yet to name others involved. Dem mm. Mm. Things are heating up for the Biden crime family. And uh, now people still ignore it. True. But uh, it looks it's like getting harder to ignore it, though. James mm -hmm. James Comer is doing some work, uh, finally starting to get the receipts from those over 150 SARS uh, that are tied to the Biden family, and those are the suspicious activity reports dealing with foreign entities and uh, funny money coming in and out. So I thought it was pretty interesting that uh, Hunter Biden's former love interest, his brother's widowed wife. <laughs> Wow. Was a recipient of some of the cashola right there, Alan? I see you smirking over there. What do you think? It's just ridiculous <laughs> at this point. And what's going to happen? I mean, the laptop was fake. He admitted it was real. The 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 Biden uh, family China deals, he, he, he denied it for years. Now he admits it's real. Like Hunter Biden is, is admitting to an awful lot, which has to make you think, why is he admitting all of this now? Well, what do they got on him? Is he going to flip? Is he going to flip on daddy who's been abusing him and his sister forever? I, I mean, it's it's wild. It's uh, What's going to happen, though? Is anybody going to be put in handcuffs and go to jail? No. Is it going to happen? No. 
hey, well, at least we're starting to uncover a money trail here. Yeah. And listen, while, while when as the receipts come in, we just have to let people know, like, this is not, you know, for the people who still believe Donald Trump's a Russian agent. Right. <laughs> Jesus. And, Court of public opinion. Right. It, 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 it's our due diligence to kind of, you know, get the information out to them and, uh, you know, talk about the corruption that goes on in our government. We'll be talking about the corruption that's still going on in our government in just a few minutes with Congressman Devin Nunes. In addition to that, we'll have Chris Powell on for the first time, the uh, press secretary for the Secretary of State for the state of Arkansas. Looking forward to sitting down with him in just a bit as well. Jesse Waters sat down with James Comer um, yesterday and and was talking about this. We, we heard a brief snippet there from the congressman, but he kind of like laid it out and uh, presented it fully for him. So let's hear it. James Comers, the Oversight Committee Chairman. So, Congressman, you're going to get your hands on these suspicious wire transfers from Yellen, but you're also making progress where else? Well, we have bank records. We have bank records from one of the 13 banks in hand that uh, were used by the Biden family members in these uh, business schemes. So these bank records prove that the Bidens did receive money uh, through a shell company from uh, the Chinese Communist Party. So uh, this is the first link. Uh, hopefully within the next 48 hours, we'll have more bank records from another bank. And we're just going to keep following the money. We, we know from our sources that have come in the whistleblowers where the money trails are and of course the democrats have denied it the white house has denied it there's no denying it now with the bank records and now treasury's forced to have to give us the suspicious activity reports because they acted all along like there was nothing there well i can assure you there's something there hmm. and everyone knows it now from the bank records that you've seen so far what can you tell us what what was the money for exactly that's a great question. And that would be a great question for the media to ask the Bidens. Uh, they got money from people directly linked with the Chinese Communist Party for what? You know, for years we've heard, well, it was because of a business deal. It was an energy deal. I don't see any energy deal here. All I see are transactions from China to a, a an LLC, which was essentially a pass through and then deposits into the Biden account from that LLC. It doesn't show any business activity and on where it says in the wire for the purpose that's left blank. Hmm. So so we don't know what that money was for, but I don't see any business activity here. It looks like it was influence peddling. And if so, that's illegal. That's called lobbying. That's you have to be a registered foreign agent. And, and you know, we don't see any evidence of that. All right. Well, keep us posted on what you see from these bank records and these SARs where we're curious. Unlike the rest of the media. Thank Absolutely. you very much. There you go. It pays homage to you two guys who are extremely pessimistic when it comes to all things related to the Biden crime family. Hookers blow an ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget <laughs> Skittles penis as well. Listen here, Jack. Mm. <laughs> it, it's, I feel like this is going to go somewhere. Uh, part of me feels like they are really trying to put up some roadblocks to Joe Biden having an easy pathway, even after he announces to run in 24. Yeah. Um, it's going to go somewhere. All the way up until the point where World War Three starts, and then nobody's going to pay attention. Oof. Yeah, it'll get it'll heat up so bad, and then there'll be an official declaration of war, and you know half of the Rhino Republicans in Congress will vote to go to war, you know, and and it'll all go away. Yeah, that's a good point there. You know, and 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 national security is is something that is probably tied into these financial transactions just as much as anything else. Uh, you know, the CCP has been figuring out ways like. Colonel McGregor said, uh, you know, earlier in the show, 
if we allow them in, they're going to take it. If we oh, leave yeah. something on the table, they're going to snatch it. It's it's not like they have to really infiltrate anything when they're working. Let's just say through the second highest office in the land when Joe Biden was the vice president, and uh, what those you know compromised instances have led to. Uh, Congressman Mike Waltz sat down with Harris Faulkner yesterday. He wanted to elaborate on this a little bit more. Let's hear him. Harris, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg, and this is way worse than anything we saw with the Clinton Foundation uh, and that foreign influence scheme, because this is by far the most dangerous adversary in the Chinese Communist Party that we've ever that we've ever faced. So, so many questions. Why is the Treasury bureaucracy stonewalling uh, the the Congress on these suspicious activity reports That's a big when point it comes there. to the Biden family? I guarantee you, uh, Harris, if it had been the Trump family, they would have been leaked all over the New York Times uh, and, and all over the media. Why are they using shell companies, for God's sake? You either <laughs> want it, uh, you want that for tax evasion or you want it to hide what you're doing. And then finally, and this is my biggest concern, is, is that Chinese Communist Party doesn't give Hunter Biden a billion and a half dollars to invest in a shoestring or t-shirt factory. They want artificial intelligence, nano, uh, nanotechnologies, um, uh, advanced materials. They want key technologies that they're that their military can eventually use. And right now, as we speak, reporting shows that Hunter is invested in a Chinese nuclear company that's been trying to steal <laughs> our secrets that's sanctioned. So if there was influence peddling is one thing, but if there was actually circumventing our export controls or handing off key IP, which the mm -hmm. um, of these key technologies that the Chinese always demand uh, through their investors, then that's not only criminal, it's treasonous. And well, that's I'm, what we have to get to the bottom of. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, listen, I think we could all agree it's never going as far as treason. But there's going to be a lot of people out there, detractors, who are going to say, oh, come on, Hunter Biden's not connected to a nuclear energy company in, in China that's banned and we're not allowed to work with. Like, that's not going to happen. You know, we're going to be sitting now with Chris Powell for the first time, who just wrote a great article for the National Pulse. And uh, the whole premise of his article is that Elements of our State Department, the Department of Defense, and all the way up to the White House, not Donald Trump, but during the Trump administration, was working directly with a Chinese telecommunications company that has been on the ban list since before Donald Trump's visit to China, his Weird. state visit. Yeah. So these things are happening, and, and they always do happen, because when you find ins to get work in country for contracts— it's almost impossible to get a complete competent team in there to do whatever kind of job it is you're going to do. Let's just say you're wiring buildings or uh, installing internet and doing telecommunications and stuff like that. You usually go with some of the standard local, and in the case of China, it's CCP connected, uh, you know, contractors and stuff like that. So we'll get to that in just a bit. We're going to be sitting down with Congressman Nunes here uh, in just a second. Before we do that, let's hear from one of our sponsors. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is hand-picked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. The cigars are hand-rolled each three years. If you get a promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke 
for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us next here on the show, Big Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast. He's a former congressman and chair of the House Intelligence Committee, currently the CEO of TMTG and Truth Social, one of our great friends, Mr. Devin Nunes. Thanks for coming back on the show. It is great to be with you. Congressman, always a pleasure. Steak. Didn't have any steak this morning. <laughs> had some eggs, though. Okay, there you go. You're halfway there, and it's, yeah. still, it's still early out here on the West Coast. So how's everything going with you, sir? Busy as always, I'm assuming. Yeah, you know, every day is a, is a new day, but the good thing is, is that, you know, True Social, we're up, running, uh, without any big tech companies. It's uh, it's amazing. You know, we're working closely with Rumble, and uh, we've got a great, uh, just a great, uh, uh, I call it our truth family, uh, people that just get on the platform every day, like you guys are on there every day. Absolutely. And we keep, and we keep growing, and it's just a... And we keep improving, and we got to build every one of these features out step by step. It's it's not easy because we can't just call up, you know, my buddy Jeff Bezos or Bill (laughs) Gates and uh, have them help us. We got to do it all ourselves. But um, you know, building now this groups feature, um, which is going to be really uh, an avenue for free speech for people, because instead of just being the the basic non algorithmic timeline like all the other uh, social media tech giants. Ours is uh, just uh, just a, a simple timeline, but now uh, we're working on this group feature, so people will be able to go in and create groups. So you can use the platform, you know, for either family or or friends or people that uh, you know maybe even uh, you know you guys might want to have your own page or be part of one. Yeah, that sounds like uh, it's going to be a good time when it gets launched. And we know you guys are always working so hard on the platform right now, which is the only one where we have completely free speech and uh, no censorship. Uh, gotta love it. Can't can't t- say enough about it. It's the only place where I log on every day, and all of our content is shared vastly. In addition to that, the the followership that we've gained uh, just over the course of the last half year is, is immense compared to almost all the other social media platforms that we're on combined. So, you know, that's just a little bit yeah. of what, what you get on Truth Social. In addition, you see the exclusive content from the entire Trump team, which includes yourself. I mean, Cash Patel. It's the only place he posts. Dan Scavino and. Then, Anyone can find him will we'll occasionally <laughs> post on there. And, of course, you get all the great stuff from President Trump, which is what I want to touch with you first, Congressman. You know, Donald Trump is three for three in his last big public appearances. Obviously, there was the uh, heartfelt trip over to uh, East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, I thought that was a huge boost for Donald Trump and just something that seemed flawlessly normal to him uh interacting with the people speaking in an intimate setting and uh delivering the way he did when he was the president he parlayed that into cpac gave an extremely powerful speech very policy driven i thought it was an excellent way to widen the reclaiming of the base which he's currently doing right now as he's already launched his 2024 campaign and then he had the event uh this week in davenport iowa which uh, we thought was great. Liz Harrington and Christina Bob were on the show on Tuesday to help us break it down. And, uh, you know, just someone who, who still continues to work closely with the president. Obviously, you're looking forward to him winning re-election in 2024. What can you say about the last couple, uh, you know, public events that Donald Trump's been at? Well, I thought the East Palestine thing was just a major blunder, maybe one of the biggest blunders by any administration in modern history. And if we had a, a real news media in this country, which we don't, uh, these guys would have been completely bamboozled by this. So, so number one, what originally happened is because it's a red area, and I'll just say that that's what it is. Uh, it was largely ignored. People thought it's just going to go away. You know, nobody cared because it's oh, it's those people out there. There's not a Democrat within a hundred miles, yeah. so we're just going to ignore it. Screw them, basically. And then it kept building and building and building, and then it culminated with this big fire 
that that started that I, I guess they started it on purpose. And meanwhile, you know, by that point, we're already, you know, nearly, I think, 10 days in at that point. Um, and then pretty soon it gets out to two weeks. And, you know, President Trump, I think, realized, wow, these people are being ignored because they voted for me, voted for him. And he just says, you know, screw it. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go talk to the people, meet the people. And of course, as soon as that was announced, then the Biden administration all of a sudden was playing catch up. So simply put, guys, what happened is, is that you had the the our own government ignored our own people, the great people of Ohio, ignored them until Donald Trump, former president, gets up and says, I'm going then they then they clawed that uh, then they began to to act because Donald Trump basically forced their hand and i think from my perspective um it, it's the first time people got to see Donald Trump in you know, you know what is it two and a half years yep. actually outdoing presidential leadership type of things what real leaders ought to be doing in this country he went out and did and i think the the impact that it had is a lot of people because a lot of people you know they're just reading the fake news every day and yeah. it's not their own fault it's just what's put in front of them because they you know between as, as you guys said if you're not on true social you're essentially getting some left-wing algorithm that's being force-fed uh, to your phone you know and that even that even includes twitter i mean elon musk is trying to fix it but you know twitter is, is still simply unusable as someone who i enjoyed being on twitter back in the day but but they have so many bad layers of algorithm after algorithm after algorithm, it makes it almost useless to, to, to use. And so between that, the fake news, um, you've got a lot of the establishment Republicans who, you know, who just don't like um, MAGA. They want their little swamp uh, back. And so this was the first time that it was impossible for the press to ignore. And people saw a, a vibrant, strong Trump out there leading as they would expect a real president to do, which we don't have. And I think from that point on, you know, just from my perspective, I think it was going to be hard for any Republican to to beat Trump because there's never been a, pol a political movement like this in modern history, maybe, maybe ever. Yeah. Um, and I think that just cemented the people that that like him that are part of this MAGA, ultra MAGA, whatever you want to call it. The left likes to call it ultra MAGA movement. Um, but what they can't deny is that it is a movement and it's a big movement. And I travel all around this country, including in places like California, and you see Trump 2024 flags up flying that have been flying for, for two years. Yeah. And overall, guys, I guess that's the, the, the challenge that any Republican had running in this primary was that. Um, and then you know, then they're kind of forced to work with the establishment Republicans who never supported Trump in the first place, who don't like, um, you know, who don't like this movement of, you know, what I call it, I call it really the uh, American jobs movement. It's, you know, the reason President Trump, remember, East Palestine used to be an area that was 50-50, maybe even lean Democrat. Donald Trump came around and said, you know, because the one thing that he, that he started saying in 15 and 16 that nobody paid attention to, still everybody ignores, but that resonated with the American people, is he understands buildings and factories. And he grew up watching those factories decay. And that's in his blood, you know, building things, big, large facilities. You know, that's the whenever I talk to the president, 
You want to get him excited. And I'm talking about even when I spoke to him back in 2016. Sure. You talked to him about D10 caterpillars and, you know, whether or not a caterpillar loader or Komatsu bulldozer, you know, what's the best, what kind of trucks, um, you know, what size, you know, what size buildings they are, how tall, what's the property. He's in his element with that and always has been. And understandably, because he did it since he was a kid. But what people ignored in 15 and 16 and then all through his presidency is he said, wait a second, we've got all these great old factories. The windows are busted out. The jobs are going to China. This is wrong. And he said that for, I mean, you can go back. There's people that find clips of him that he's saying that back in the 1980s yep. and the 90s and 2000s. And he finally runs for president. And of course, everything they attack Trump on is ridiculous. They don't attack him on his policies. Like, I think it would be fair if you said, okay, Donald Trump got elected, he ran on bringing jobs back to America. Part of the plan was, is he put tariffs on China. Nobody, including me, thought he was going to put tariffs on China. Okay, I was, I was on the Intelligence Committee, as you guys know, but I was also for a long time on the Ways and Means Committee yep. where, where we handle trade trades and tariffs uh, for, the, for the country. Nobody on that committee believed that Donald Trump was going to put tariffs on China. And he did it. He did it. And yet you don't see them criticizing. Why don't they go and say, hey, we think your tariff uh, should never have been put on. Or we think I'm running for president and I'm going to double the tariff. I mean, whatever. That's a legit thing to attack President Trump on and on what his policy was on tariffs on China. It's a legitimate issue. But what you see is you see a corrupt Department of Justice, yep. uh, a corrupt FBI, uh, basically, every single level of government is corrupted in this country to its core, led by the left, all the way down to from lower education to higher education to now federal judges, if they are a, a Republican judge, can't even enter onto the campus of Stanford University in California. And you have the other night, Charlie Kirk went to UC Davis and which was, you know, used to be uh, one of the top agricultural schools in America that was known for its science and 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 um, and engineering and understand, you know, some of the best agricultural developments came out of UC Davis. He got attacked by Antifa the other night at UC Davis. So that's where we are in this world where, you know, the people in red East Palestine, because they voted for for Trump and want to get jobs back from China um, are being ignored. And then you've got Republicans that come into the places like the state of California can't even safely be in the state in certain cities and certain communities. And, you know, that's basically where we're at, guys. You've got Donald Trump leading the field. You've got a corrupt DOJ. I mean, all of these Republicans, you know, and I've always said this, that that my I have a litmus test now for for a Republican. And I don't care if you don't support Donald Trump or Donald Trump's policies. That's not my litmus test. My litmus test is this. What was your reaction after the raid by the Department of Justice on Mar-a-Lago? If your reaction wasn't, this is wrong, stop it, immediately after that, that should have been your reaction. But for sure, after five days of nonsense and finally Garland goes out there and gives a whiny little thing, looked like he had just got the crap beat out of him by <laughs> his underlings who are really controlling the Department of Justice and yep. the and the and the henchmen at the in the Biden White House. They beat the living crap out of this guy. Remember, he walks out there and he says, 
quit picking on the FBI. These are doing their good things. Doesn't say a damn thing of, wait a second, there were these really important classified documents that had to be gotten so bad. This has never been done in history. They invaded Mar-a-Lago, broke down the doors, went into Melania's closet, went into to, to their son Barron's room, went all over Mar-a-Lago to get all these documents. They even did photo ops. They threw all the, these documents, cover sheets on the ground, took pictures of them, leaked them out to the media. Nothing happened. So if you're a Republican, you don't condemn that. You can even say, look, I don't really like President Trump's policies on whatever. But that was wrong. And I am sorry if you are a Republican and you have not said over and over and over again that that was wrong, that shouldn't be done, you shouldn't be running for president, uh, and you sure as hell shouldn't be anywhere near any level of government if you have not condemned what is, at least in just these last few months, one of the most outrageous things that's happened. Now you have this special counsel that's been appointed. It's you know completely ridiculous partisan hack of all the people you could pick. You pick a partisan hack. And then, of course, when they finally they discover that or it leaks, they knew it. It leaks that Biden is the one that has the real document problem. Then they appoint a special counsel who is what, guys? Oh, a Russia hoaxer who was involved in trying to derail our investigation in 17 and 18 that led to everybody learning what the Russia hoax is. So anyway, that's kind of my initial take on on where we are with uh, with this campaign right now. But uh, look, I've got a day job and every day I, I, I we get up and we work hard at True Social and uh, we're opening up the internet to give people their voice back. Yeah, you certainly are. And uh, it, it's content like that that we need more uh, across all social media platforms, but we have the opportunity to get out there on a bi-weekly basis with us. It could be hourly with you and when you're posting, Devin, and lighten up the, uh, you know, the application with truths and just to kind of see how we thought the establishment came for Donald Trump in 2016, but they didn't really know how big and powerful this movement was going to crest at exactly the right time it needed to, to not only get the you know Republican nomination, but ride that all the way to the White House. And now you see, in addition to all the you know legacy entities that have stood up to Donald Trump and to the America First movement and, and tried to demonize it in every way, shape, and form, you see the establishment Republicans. Obviously, Donald Trump highlights them on a you know speaking evently basis now. The Carl Rose, Paul Ryan's, uh, you know Mitch McConnell. He's been hammering Ron DeSantis. I mean. That's, that's the unfortunate part about all these people that worked in the government. You know, you have people like Ron DeSantis who's running in. He's got a long congressional record of, of you know, two and a half terms of where he didn't vote necessarily America first all the time. Same thing goes for Mike Pompeo. He's going to go out there and try to say he could do things better. Well, what did you do to even push harder the Trump agenda or not push the Trump agenda? If Mike Pompeo decides to get into the ring, same thing with Mike Pence, Nikki Haley as well. We're going to get those receipts. Well, I wanted to do this, and you always pushed back on me when I was president. So how are you going to come out here and say you're going to do it better for the American people? You know, a lot of, I, I don't understand how this field is shaping up, but I do understand why it's shaping up this way, and they're going to try to hit him from all angles. And just knowing Donald Trump, you even mentioned it with the frivolous loss the crap that's going on in upstate New York right now with the radical DA there, Alvin Bragg, and as Donald Trump puts it, the uh, horse face case that he's trying to pin him on, it's not going to go anywhere. And, and even more, we have every single Trump surrogate that you can imagine, either former official, uh, former person that worked in one of the big federal agencies, or current Congress people that support you know President Trump on this show. They are they can't believe how it doesn't phase him. They're like his, his schedule rarely changes, his diet rarely changes. And he just 
plows on for the American people. It's like nothing ever we've really seen before. Yeah, and it's not right. No, it's not. I mean, no, it's... nobody should have to do this. I mean, I said this, uh, you know, I was one of the first that had to deal with this because, well, probably I was the first. Because um, remember, President Trump shocks the world, um, actually successfully used, ironically, social media, yep. mainly Facebook uh, and a little bit of Twitter to overtake and overwhelm Hillary Clinton, along with just relentless campaigning uh, in places like Wisconsin and Ohio and Pennsylvania, talking about the issues that we talked about earlier, which is why are these factories closed and why are we shipping these jobs to China? Um, it resonated with the American people. The fake news just ignored it. They laughed at them. They mocked them. But at the same time, that was the first time we learned how they had corrupted the Justice Department. And I was the one who stumbled into that with the Russia hoax, which I know we've covered uh, on your show before. So we don't have to people with that that never-ending nightmare. But what turned out, what, what you have to remember is what, what started in 15 and 16 as weaponizing the FBI to basically open up a, an investigation into your, your political opponent to then, it was, it, meant, it was meant originally to be an October surprise in 16 that then turned into a full-blown investigation. And I always said that, that look, you know, I was the chairman of the Intelligence Committee I was the one who was actually the Russia hawk who was warning people about Putin. So you can imagine my amazement when all of a sudden, wait a second, Republicans are the ones that are now, you know, we're doing what with Putin? It's like, you guys just spent eight years placating Putin. <laughs> eight years. You didn't do jack. You let the Russians do whatever the hell they wanted to do. Yep. And now you're blaming Trump. So I'm the one that said, this is impossible. Like, look, if Donald Trump or anybody in his campaign polluted with Russians, all be the first to let everybody know. But right now, I've never seen anything like this. I'm this is I'm speaking in kind of 20 early 2017. And then of course, you know, what did they do? They attack me personally, my family, anybody who was, you know, related to me, my yep. staffers like Cash Patel, who's been on here. You know, they weaponize, you have to remember, this is stuff that my Republican colleagues, I hope, understand, but I still think they're a little slow on the uptick. And that is that what they did to my committee, the staff on my committee, by going to a grand jury, getting subpoenas on them and going through their private emails, their bank accounts and everything else, that is corrupt. Yeah. And the Republicans better wake up. If you're one of these re Republicans that are leading these investigations, you can bet they are weaponizing the Department of Justice and the FBI and everybody else against you and your staff right now. And you say, how do I, how, how do I know that? Well, because they've never been punished. And what started is just a Trump thing. Yeah, let's spy on Devin Nunes and his staff. Nobody gives a shit about that. And it goes, it ends up with protesters outside the Supreme Court justice's house after they illegally leaked uh, the, the decision on, on Roe v. Wade months in advance. That's where we've went to. Then you've got the raid on Mar-a-Lago yep. on and on and on. So if you think, that all these Russia hoaxers that were in the Obama-Biden administration, many of them burrowed in or went to the outside, made a ton of money, they all got rewarded. They're at the top levels of the Justice Department and in the Biden administration. If you think they are not weaponizing the intelligence agencies, the FBI and the DOJ against you and your staff, any Republican, any conservative, you're, you're, you're living in an alternative reality. So 
I don't like it. I don't like to talk like this, that, that we're in this dark chapter of American history that started with the weaponization of the FBI by the Clintons and the DNC. But it is what it is. We are where we are. And you have to be cognizant of your surroundings. And I think that, you know, there's still, you know, many of my colleagues who don't, I don't think, realize that and I say colleagues, I'm talking House and Senate. Sure. Uh, don't realize the level of the corruption that is there right now and how what a tipping point this country is in right now. And, and it's kind of, you know, you can kind of just like you were saying, it's like, wait a second here. You've got all these people running for office against Trump and it's fine. It's their right to run. But they're basically betting on a corrupt DOJ. They're betting and hoping for them to find just one classified document at Mar-a-Lago. Then we can, you know, do something, you know, and they're ignoring that Biden's got the problem. And that's that I think is the issue that, you know, if you're taking, you know, it's one thing if you've got hundreds of thousands, if not, you know, millions of donors across the country, like President Trump has small mom and pops that, 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 that are supporting his campaign versus if you're re really relying on Wall Street billionaires uh, and and swamp creatures to finance your campaign to run a dark money campaign. Look, it's fine. It's America. It's your right. Um, but I don't think in the end uh, it's going to be successful. We certainly don't either, as we've endorsed. Donald J. Trump here on Steak for Breakfast. And, uh, you know, it's like we said, what are we talking about here? It's it's a once-in-a-lifetime political icon who has weathered the storm on the behalf of, of the American people. And if you see how long this has gone on for, uh, you know, it, it, it's so much less about Trump and more about getting this country back on the right track. Uh, Congressman, you are extremely dialed into the movement. I mean, you can't get much more MAGA than you, and that's why we love having you on the show. We really do appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule, which is quite robust to say the least. And uh, we definitely are looking forward to having you back on the show. You know, I was just thinking, we've, we've dropped so many receipts today, and, and, you know, things for our listenership to go and do some research on. We might have to do a, a Cash Patel, Devin Nunes, Government Gangsters edition of Steak for Breakfast, just a standalone 30, 40 minutes and kind of lay everything out there for our listenership. Yeah, I, I'd love to do that. And speaking of which, more corruption, uh, <laughs> Government Gangsters is Cash's book yep. that has still not been released by the Biden administration so it can't go to print. Eric Garland probably reads it on the toilet. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's one of those things. But we'll look into coordinating with you for next time you're coming on to see if we can get Mr. Patel to join us as well. But we know you guys are getting ready for a busy weekend here. We're going to link DevinNunez.com in the show description today. Your true social handle is, sir? At, at Devin Nunes. It's really creative. Listen, that's why he's the CEO of True Social. This is a former congressman from California, head of the uh, Intelligence Committee as well. Great friend of the show, Mr. Devin Nunes. Thanks for coming on with us. Hey, you guys are great. Thanks a lot for having me. Now, this was supposed to be a full committee. But as you can see, the Democrats are not here. They decided to not, to not show. Why? Well, they said coming here was just a political stunt. You tell me. Taking a hearing... To the point of the crisis for a first-hand view are boycotting a hearing because you know we're going to shine a light on the truth. Which of those is the political stunt? I'd say the political stunt is these empty chairs. The Democrats also talk about bipartisanship, how this committee is supposed to be a bipartisan committee. I guess for them, bipartisanship is only when you agree exactly with them. To me, 
bipartisanship is where you sit down together and debate the issues and talk to try to find common ground and solutions. You can't have bipartisanship if the other side fails to show up for their duty. And in the Army, when someone didn't show up, we called them AWOL or absent without leave. Their place of duty is at this hearing because it's a full hearing, and they're not here. They're AWOL. Mm, yeah. Well, Congressman Nunez was sure fired up, and so was the chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee investigating the crisis on the southwest border, Mark Green, as you heard him right there. And, and he was discussing, as the hearing kicked off on Thursday, all of the Democrats on the House side decided just not to go. But what, the reason that they stated was because they said the GOP is grandstanding to do parts of the committee on the actual southwest border where the crisis is currently happening. Wait, they're what? Yeah. So they, they said that's, that's a grandstanding measure because when the Democrats are going to try and placate and deny that there's an actual crisis, they could literally grab them figuratively by the back of their collars and drag them outside and say, fucking look, there's a hundred people from 30 different countries coming in right now. And this is happening every single frigging hour of every day here. And uh, all the drugs they catch when, when, when they say like, Sure, fentanyl is a problem, but it's not all coming in through the southwest border. And then they get 100 kilos of fentanyl coming across the border, you know, in, in a vehicle or in a shipping container. And they could walk the Democrats right over to, you know, where they're doing. They're taking it and saying, like, well, what is this then? What is this? Look at it. Look at the people that this is going to kill. Rub their face in it. Or the dead bodies, the women who were raped, the kids who were trafficked, the people who don't make it across the river, the men and women who are serving down there who get hurt on a consistent basis. And uh, the Democrats don't want any part of that. Mm. That's why Joe Biden really didn't go to the southern border. That's why Kamala Harris really didn't go to the southern border. And the only people you ever see go down there, the Ro Khanna's of the world, a couple other severely moderate Democrats that know if they don't push for at least pretending they like border security, they're going to get not reelected in, in, in 24. And, and that's kind of, you know, what's been going on. Uh, throughout the course of the week with this hearings, which I, I personally feel, I mean, they had the top border patrol chief Ortiz there this week. It kind of went under the radar. You, you guys didn't see this dominating the news cycle. Did you mm-hmm. No. no, we want to see the, uh, you know, the, the Russian jets pissing all over our, our, our drone <laughs> and, and other stupid stuff that's going on. And, 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 you know, the crime that's running around. How many times did you see that lady who got paralyzed by the guy that mugged her on TV this week? Oh, that Asian woman, yeah. Yeah, the guy that picked her up and, like, beat her up and then went back and, like, gave her a DDT and put her in the hospital. She's paralyzed from the neck down. Now, I saw that on TV probably 700 times this week, but I didn't see Chief Ortiz saying that the border is not under operational control and secure, and we're going to hear that actual soundbite in just a minute. What do you yeah, think, I didn't Alan? see that at all either. I mean, there were there have been Democrats that have, but like you said, it's it, out of politics and to protect themselves who, who are acknowledging that the the border crisis as a crisis but not enough and yeah they, they just don't want to be held accountable and it's shoved in their face because they know they know deep down that it's ridiculous but you know towing the line certainly are you know we always talk about the safety and and security that we need in our southern border the safety and security for the people who are working down there as well they're always either getting you know, into fights, high-speed chases, shot at. Newest one kind of got leaked uh, inadvertently, but now the public knows during this hearing was uh, thanks to Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Let's hear her. 
Chief Ortiz, are you aware that there was an explosive device found by Border Patrol agents on January 17th in an area called No Man's Land? And there's surveillance of who put it there. And guess what? It wasn't Americans. It was cartels. Are you aware of that? Thank you, Congresswoman. Oh, and good to see you again. I will tell you that uh, some of this information that uh, I receive, I receive in a, a, a confidential uh, skiff, so I'm going to be a little hesitant of briefing what I know and what I don't know with respect oh, to some of those, oh, oh. an event like that. I understand, Chief Ortiz, but I'm not going to be confidential because I think people deserve to know. Our Border Patrol Good agents should not be in those type of conditions where they are at risk of being blown to pieces by the cartels, who, by the way, are criminals. And, th and they should be treated as, as such. As a matter of fact, I've co-sponsored legislation to declare war on the cartels because they are definitely declaring war on us, the American people and our Border Patrol agents. And I've had enough of it. And I know Americans have had enough of it. That's good MTG right there. Mm -hmm. That's the MTG that I like saying that we needed like a national divorce and all that other stupid shit. She says sometimes yeah. not really the MTG. I appreciate that's what you're supposed to be doing in Congress, especially when you have essentially the highest ranking person in regards to the border. I mean, Alejandro Mayorkas would be over him as the boss of bosses. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, this is the reality that a lot of people in our listenership but ones who do have experience, Jorge Ventura, for example, when he comes on, I mean, we talked about the time where he was just basically filming coyotes, walking people back and forth across the border. One guy didn't want to get filmed, pulled a gun on him, like literally five feet away from him, pulled a gun on him, told him to turn off the cameras. They didn't. He didn't shoot him, but that's the reality. I mean, we saw the people get killed in Mexico like two weeks ago, a week later, which was last week. We saw three other ladies went into Mexico like last week of February. No one's heard of them since. It's just crazy down there, and and it has been for a long time. The cartels control the country. They control the government, the military, the police. I mean, there are, like they say in all agencies, like when, when comparable to like our FBI and justice system, there are some good people. They're the ones who get killed all the time. Yeah. When you see like a half a dozen servicemen or police officers were killed at checkpoints, those are the ones that don't buy into it, that that are nationalists that want their country to do well, and uh, they're they're literally up against <laughs> probably one <laughs> one of the top twenty biggest militaries in the world at this point. Talking about what the cartel has, yeah, you don't you don't take the bribe down there; it's automatic. You're like, oh, you're not going to take it? All right, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Problem and solved. And this is why instead of flying, um, you know, spy surveillance drones in the Black Sea, we should be flying armed drones and taking out every cartel asset we possibly can in Mexico. The FBI, the, the DEA, the CIA, they know where all the people live. They know where the big manufacturing processing plants are. They know where. Well, the yeah, that's because they funded it. You want to hear another one? <laughs> How about this one? Two boats collided right off the coast of San Diego this weekend. Eight people, eight illegals died. Wasn't on the news at all, at all. Wow. Yeah, eight people died, and they still can't find seven other people. They don't know if they, like, made it and got onto land and ran away, but the people who they apprehended said, these are all the people who were with us. Obviously, we eight dead right here. We don't know where the other seven people are. Wait, so two, two boats that were coming in surreptitiously, yes. so to speak? garrison and they yeah and they <laughs> and they crash into each other yeah that's not very good no it. at all and it's pretty you know there, there's right where mexico meets san diego down there on the coast it's some of the roughest waters in the united states it's comparable up to up north where they're you know oregon and washington it gets pretty hairy up there as well 
I did promise the receipts from, from Chief Ortiz, and, and we're going to play it for you guys right now. Uh, here's him giving some commentary on DHS Secretary Head Alejandro Mayorkas. DHS have operational control of our entire border. No, sir. Oof. Okay. Thank you for that. Apparently um, he had the data. I'd like to share it with the American people. This is the actual definition of operational control he brought the post that in. is in the code, written into the code well before I came to Congress, the definition, and I appreciate the honesty of Chief, Chief Ortiz. Do you think that, uh, let, let's play a video clip here. Uh, I just want to share this question. Will you testify under oath right now? Do we have operational control, yes or no? Yes, we do. And we have operational control of the borders. Yes, uh, we do. Yes, we do. Chief Ortiz, do you think that uh, Secretary Mayorkas is lying there? Sir, when you talk about operational control, about 10 years ago, we used operational control as a measuring stick of our effectiveness along the southwest border. Uh, my new strategy is geared towards um, uh, mission advantage. So you you know I, I I'm asking a very specific question, yes, and I, I you're you're kind of describing how 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 the goalpost has been moved because you're, of the mass ways of people right that are coming. Yeah. My question: You heard the secretary. He said we have operational control. That's the definition ba of operational control. Based upon the control. definition you have, sir, up there, no, we don't have operational control. No, sir. But is Secretary Mariuk's line? I don't. I didn't see you, the rest of the testimony there, sir. He so was at. You, you saw. He was asked if we had operational control, and he said yes. I, I think it's either it's either ignorance, which is unacceptable, or it's lying. Programming note for Chairman Mark Green staffers there. When you show the video off the laptop, maybe don't have the sound on. Yeah, wait. Wait till. Well, you gotta have the sound on because they're playing the audio or the alerts get, on. Just wait till the question's over to close the window. <laughs> We're <laughs> all looking at each other over here, and uh, I was like, "What was that?" Yeah, you saw him as soon as that noise happened in the audio. He turned around and like looked at the kids sitting next to him. So, you know, it's it's pretty funny what you know. It's just craziness, and to think that we're at a point right now with the border. I mean, they're going to be bringing this back up on Capitol Hill, and they're going to be talking about it there soon. But I just think that you know, it, it's one of those things. It's been kind of a downer of a week. One of our drones was downed after it got posterized by two Russian jets, right? The Biden crime family's running rampant. And, of course, Janet Yellen and the Treasury Department is, is slow walking. We've already – we're more than halfway through Joe Biden's term in office, and we have one receipt out of over 150 suspicious activity reports on the Biden family right now. And then, you know, you, you have the supposed – figurative leader of the border patrol saying we don't have operational control confirming to the american public what we've been saying on this show for its entirety and what a lot of people who who you know tell it the right way do i just don't want to end on a downer right we can't it's friday it's saint patrick's day so donald trump went on a video posting flurry this morning <laughs> and he put he put out a couple heaters reminded everybody who their favorite president was but the one i thought and in our last audio clip of the week as we're getting ready to jump on with chris powell for the first time right now let's hear donald trump talk all about the bad investigations that are going on in his life these four horrible radical left democrat investigations of your all-time favorite president me is just a continuation of the most disgusting witch hunt in the history of our country. It's gone on forever with Russia, 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 and Ukraine, 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 and the Mueller hoax. 
It's an absolute disgrace what's going on. They even spied on my campaign. And remember this, with all of the work that they did on Mueller, no collusion. That's what the answer was, was all no collusion. Whether it's the Mar-a-Lago raid or the unselect committee hoax, the perfect Georgia phone call, it was absolutely perfect, or the stormy horse-faced Daniels <laughs> extortion plot. Wow. They're all sick, and it's Damn. fake news. Our enemies are desperate to stop us because they know that we are the only ones who can stop them, and they know it very strongly. And they're looking at the polls where not me, but we are up by so much. They can't even believe it. We won twice, and now we've got to win a third time. They know that we can defeat them. They know that we will defeat them. But they're not coming after me. They're coming after you. I'm just standing in their way, and I always will stand in their way. Thank you very much. And have a great it. weekend. There it is right there, Donald Trump. That's, one of, his, that's one of his best points. I love that it. that he's simply standing in their way. Oh, I thought, you, which is true. Thought you were saying that he refers to the uh, Avenatti case as the stormy horse face Daniels. Well, that's also a good point. Yeah, that is great. Do you think that when is. he meets with his team and they're like, "What are we talking about today?" and and they say like, "He's you like, know, get a load of this. This no. is what I'm going to say," and they're like, "That's a terrible idea, but, but do it." Yeah, do it because they eat that shit right <laughs> up. So. Listen, you know, it, it's been a busy week, and next week probably is going to be even busier. We'll inch a little bit closer to uh, World War III. Mm. Um, although I kind of feel a little bit optimistic. You know, Colonel McGregor did say that he sees more of this as a global domination economically and uh, energy-wise and trade-wise uh, with China and Russia and the, the BRICS countries all coming together and stuff than it does ever going hot, which makes me think, how does Taiwan fit into this situation? I really don't know. Uh, a really sad part of me thinks that if they, China just said, listen, we're taking it, like, what do we legitimately do? What does that war look like? And uh, I guess we'll have some time to, uh, you know, think about that here in the future. But as we're getting ready to kick you up with Chris Powell, we'll uh, keep it going and just be tracking everything throughout the weekend. Joining us next here on the show on big Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast, he's making his Steak for Breakfast debut today. He's the press secretary for the Arkansas Secretary of State. He also does some pretty good writing, which he uh, just published his latest article down at the National Pulse, our favorite outlet here. Chris Powell, thanks for joining us on the show. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's our pleasure. How's everything going on your end? Busy times we're in, and uh, we're going to get into this article in a minute, but what's going on with you? Yeah, well, we've got the legislative session going on here in Arkansas, So, uh, and with uh, uh, Governor uh, Sanders is proposing a lot of new uh, uh, reforms here, and so it's been an exciting time in Arkansas. Yeah, I was going to I was going to say it's got to be pretty uh, exciting a breath of fresh air with uh Sarah Huckabee Sanders as the governor now and uh seems like she's off to a pretty great start. Yeah, absolutely. I think she's going to be a, a great uh conservative and bold leader for Arkansas. Uh and uh I'm excited about that. I certainly think so as well. So you you published an article recently on the National Pulse. Uh, mm -hmm. U.S. Embassy handed out sensitive data contracts to now ban Chinese state-owned firm just days before Trump's historical visit to Beijing to meet Xi Jinping. I saw this the other day. I gave it a read, and then we started talking. I gave it another read. I was actually more surprised and appalled going through it a second time as I was skimming through it the first. What was the premise for you uh, 
publishing this article now a couple years after the fact. I mean, uh, we're going to break down the timeline to show our listenership that this is kind of stuff that went on all the way up through almost now. And uh, what are some of the big concerns about what goes on behind the scenes, regardless of the agenda that a president may have uh, during his time in office? Right. Well, um, I've been researching uh, Chinese infiltration uh, of the West and compromise of our of our government for some time now. And uh, I kind of stumbled across this, really. I was looking at uh, the federal government has a website, usaspending.gov. And so just out of curiosity, I, I looked through, you can sort by country and and uh, all, all sorts of different factors. And so I, I was looking for, you know, contracts that, that were awarded in China. And so I just started skimming the list and China Unicom kind of jumped out at me and I was like, what are we paying them for? Because I knew that they had been banned in the United States. And so I just started exploring that uh, thread of information and discovered this. Uh, This wasn't something that I just happened to know about, Uh, you know, uh, mainstream journalists a lot of times nowadays just repeat Democrat talking points some of us still do actual original research you know um and so i just i started digging into these state department contracts and i was like why are they paying this banned ccp run company to install their internet service and then i looked at the timeline and saw you know that this had to do with the white house and the president's visit just a week before he arrived in beijing they were you know, installing phone lines in the Beijing embassy. And um, I just thought that was very alarming and continued to look. And just less than three months ago, they're still contracting this company at the Beijing embassy in China um, to communicate with the Biden White House and probably tap their comms and who knows what. Uh, And to me, it's very alarming. I mean, if you read in the article, we put um, you know, an FCC, uh, the, the FCC issued a public notice when they banned this company in the United States. And it's very explicit as to the national security threat that this company poses. And our government is so broken or the embassy is so compromised by, you know, nefarious agents that they're still paying them to install their communications lines. And I just think thought people should know about that and something should be done about that. Yeah. And, and just to, to reiterate for our listenership, I mean, this company is a CCP owned communications company that was contracted by the U S federal government, not just in the state department or maybe through the department of defense. This went all the way up to the white house while Donald Trump was in office to basically work on things at the U.S. Embassy in regards to telecommunications and I'm, I'm assuming internet as well. What was it and, and, and what are some of the receipts from that FCC notice or advisory uh, that were really the big things that led to the eventual ban of this company? Yeah, well, it says that they, um, they're they a wholly owned subsidiary of a PRC state-owned enterprise which places it under the Chinese uh, government's control. And, um, you know, they've been considered a grave national security threat 
and that they have ability to reroute communications traffic and um, all sorts of other things. And, um, you know, they're, they're just considered basically uh, the enemy. Yeah. And uh, so the fact that we have sensitive communications uh, that we're paying them. I mean, this there were 60 transactions totaling $2.5 million that went to this company over the last five years under the last two ambassadors. And, you know, as someone who's, who's studied this, this sort of thing and, and counterintelligence and, and things like that, I mean, either someone in the in the sea in Beijing is, is, has been compromised and needs to be arrested or, or some sort of, you know, government official that's approving this needs to be fired and, and an investigation needs to take place. Was, you know, because surely... Uh, you know, one would think we'd have encrypted satellites that could handle this in, the, in a, you know, a country that's considered a, a, a competitive and strategic threat, right. uh, you know, the way China is. It's just bizarre. Yeah, and, and, you know, when you look at the uh, timing of it as well, it, it's pretty interesting. You know, Donald Trump was the first American president to visit Xi Jinping in China. Uh, the first American president in decades to make that official state visit there as well. And then when you think about some of the interference that's probably getting run on the CCP's end ahead of this trip, it seems like that would almost be, uh, you know, customary as setting up some kind of traps or pitfall for Donald Trump's at the time, don't you think? Right. Well, there were articles that came out after um, these contracts were awarded. The New York Times published a piece, I believe it was in 2018, about how the Chinese and the Russians were listening in on President Trump's phone calls. Well, it could have been part of that could have been a result of of this contract that we wrote about in this article. Um, you know, how did they get access to his uh, communications information? You know, um, these are questions that need to be looked into. Yeah, you know, I think uh, there's there's a lot more of the, at the forefront right now or the alarms being sounded about the continuing and blossoming relationship between uh, the Chinese Communist Party and the Russian government. But I think in an attempt to combat a lot of the things Donald Trump was doing trade-wise, uh, Syria-wise at the time, and, uh, you know, then into the pandemic, I wouldn't be surprised if the highest levels of the Kremlin and... Uh, you know, Xi Jinping's cabinet were working uh, around the clock to try and figure out ways to, uh, you know, kind of hamper Donald Trump and the, and the policies that he was trying to get across throughout the course of his entire presidency. Sure, of course. And, and, and they're always going to be working against us. And, uh, you know, it doesn't help if we're having, if we're basically hiring their intelligence service to send texts over to the agency and install communications equipment. You know, I mentioned in the story uh, back in the 80s, uh, when we were building uh, the embassy in Moscow, uh, they found they were they they hired Russians to to build it, and then after a while, they found so many listening devices in it they had to stop construction, <laughs> and it was halted for years, and eventually they finished it with American workers. Um, is they didn't want to tear the entire thing down and start over. Um, but this is just a repeat of, 
of that, in my opinion, uh, because they're just inviting them in into the house, basically. Yeah, so that's a good reference to uh, when the U.S. was building an embassy in Moscow during the height of the Cold War, and they called it like one of the most surveilled and, and bugged buildings on the planet at the time. And, yeah, it was called the Bug House. Yeah, and you could only think with the advancements we've made in, in technology 30, 35 years later now, right before Trump mm-hmm. went over to China for his state visit, uh, how much this has kind of developed into, you know, being able to do things that really hinder the American foreign policy that we were trying to get across in, in the first Trump presidency. So, Chris, just uh, opinion statement here. Where do you think we go from here? Does this need, is some is this something that the uh, the House Republicans need to start looking at? And then, do we should we probably look at uh, at some point to open up formal investigations into these companies and and what lobby groups or foreign influencers are having this kind of you know. Uh, free-for-all reign over some of our politicians right now and people at the State Department and the Pentagon to uh, be able to secure these contracts, even though we know the risk. Everybody's out there virtue signaling to get rid of TikTok right now, but at the same time, you're, you're literally having the Chinese government uh, contractors go in and, and, and you know refurbish buildings with, with telecommunications that our, our State Department and Department of Defense uses. Right. Right. Well, as far as executive branch is concerned, it would help if we didn't have a president who was bought and paid for by the CCP. Right. You know, I know that House oversight is, is looking into the wire transfers that the Biden family uh, has has taken from them. But at some level of government, whatever agency or committee uh, needs to be involved, I think there should be just a due diligence counterintelligence investigation opened into this. Um, into what may have been compromised, who was responsible, how can we cut off this access um, to China Unicom and our systems at the State Department. Um, you know, I mentioned they were also, they also had them upgrade a, a communications link between our Wuhan consulate and Beijing right when the pandemic was, was starting up. So um, they were probably able to intercept a lot of information flowing uh there as well um so whether whether it's the house republicans or the you know the justice department whatever you can depend on there (laughs) or whoever needs to needs to investigate this something ought to be done and uh the state department needs to get its act together because um you know that company's not allowed to operate in this country for a good reason it doesn't make sense that they're even allowed to contract with this company. Uh, even if they are the main provider there, they need to find another means. We're the most technologically advanced power on earth. And I'm, I'm sure they can figure out how to get internet in a different way. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so I, I definitely think some steps need to be taken uh, to address what's taking place and prevent this from happening in the future. You know, I, I, I think our entire listenership agrees with you there, Chris. Listen, we're going to live link the article in the uh, show description today. I'm also going to share it again uh, before the weekend so some of our listenership can definitely get in there and take a look at it. For anyone that wants to follow you maybe on social media, uh, is there any live links that you want us to drop in the show description today as well? Sure. I'm, I'm on Twitter at Intrepid Info, uh, and I tweet on there. I'm also on um, Getter and True Social, not as often, but at the same handle, Intrepid Info. 
Absolutely. We'll be live linking that for our listenership to be following you. And the more work you crank out, Chris, you're always welcome to come here and uh, discuss it and let our listenership know all the great things that you've got going on on your end. This is the press secretary for the Arkansas Secretary of State joining us for the first time today. Great interview with Mr. Chris Powell. Couldn't think of a better way to end the week. Noah's back in studio. Alan Jacoby is with us today. What do you think, Noah? Outstanding. Let's do it. Well, we did it already. We're going to do that part from Space Falls again. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode of the Steak for Breakfast podcast and want to hear the now over 200 other editions of the show, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, FM Player, Podaddict, Google Podcasts, or even in the Samsung Store. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Leave a review. And don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to all amazing guests today. Colonel Douglas McGregor joined us for the first time. I think he'll be coming back. He had a good time with us. And uh, we hope you enjoyed talking with him. CEO True Social, former congressman from California, head of the House Intel Committee, Devin Nunez. Always a pleasure hosting him. And uh, you're welcome for landing that Cash Patel Nunez. That'll be three, the Government Gangsters Edition, coming in April. And Chris Powell, great sitting down with him for the first time. And he's doing a lot of great work down there in Arkansas and doing even better work writing for the National Pulse. Friends, don't forget to go out and throw some of your hard-earned cash at our partners because when you do that, you help make small American businesses great again, namely MyPillow. The MyPillow version 2.0 is tearing up the bedroom in the most appropriate way possible. And when you enter promo code STAKE, you're going to get buy one, get one free. If you want my coffee, you enter promo code STAKE there, 25% off. 50% 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear. I love them. Noah loves them. We all scream for Odyssey. Mm. Listen, if you're in the studio, you're recording, you're writing music, you're getting into podcasting. As you progress... The caliber of your equipment goes up. Make the investment. Get those ear needs taken care of and done up right. Audis.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. Had some man rubs chicken last night. Nice. With some uh, rice and beans. It was delicious. You enter promo code steak here. You're getting 15% off your order. Manrubs.com is the website there. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Alan, who hosted with us today, is the CEO of My Patriot Cigars. Go out and support him. You enter promo code STAKE here, you're getting 15% off your total order, and you order over 100 bucks free shipping. $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. And our newest partner, Farmer Bill's Premium Beef Jerky. If you enter promo code STAKE at checkout, you're getting $5 off your total order. If you order a 12-pack... Of anything, you're getting free shipping. Check out all the great stuff they've got going on at FarmerBillsProvisions.com. Upcoming shows, we've got a heater coming in here on Tuesday. We're going to be sitting down with a lot of the, uh, we got to get one in every show, former national security apparatus. Ambassador Rick Grinnell, Cash Patel, and Ambassador Jeffrey Ross Gunter, who will be joining us for the first time. It's going to be an awesome episode. Speaking of awesome, Jim Nell is going to be circling back on the 24th, and we'll be joined by Georgia Congressman Mike Collins. Ohio Congressman Max Miller will be here on the 28th, and we'll also be getting an update from the campaign trail with none other than Boris Epstein. So looking forward to those, and I'm already scheduling for April. Christina Bob and Mark Mitchell of Rasmussen Polls will be here on the 9th. I'm sorry, the 4th of March. Jake Denton's coming in on the 14th. 
of April, and Josh Hammer will be here on the 18th as well. So we'll be filling up that schedule pretty darn quick, and we've got some surprises in the shoot coming down the pike for you guys. Friends of the week, got my list right here. The True Social Twitch streamer crew, Siberian Kitten, CSM Master, Beastman420, and our favorite True Social share of Steak for Breakfast content. Some call me Tim79. In addition to that, some of our internet friends, Brandon Dilly, host of The Dilly Show, leader of The Dilly 300, said some great things about Steak for Breakfast on this podcast this week. I am reciprocating. I love the work that they do over there. They are holding the line for MAGA across all social medias. In addition to him, the real Al Gorbachev, Noah Fired Up, Ghost Hammer, William S., Miguelifornia, Miss Pickles, and Trumple Stiltskin. Mm. In addition to them, can't forget the meme team, Machiavelli Nemes set the internet on fire this week and sparked Negate, if you know, you know. Lauren Eve, always dropping heaters. John Hacker LA, Namrock Namrock, Who White Memes, Let's Go Brenda, Mags, My Willow Memes, Pop Memes 8, Ramble Rants, and the Duke of Memes. That's all I got. Things to remember between now and Monday. Number one, do your own research. We heard about our own research being done today by uh, Colonel McGregor. I liked it. Noah liked it. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely some good stuff. Number two, start a podcast. Yep. You're welcome. Not bad. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. Fighting Forever Wars is the correct is the direct opposite of American greatness. We don't talk about American greatness enough. We need to start talking about it again. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 222 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. We'll be back with 223 on Tuesday. Cash Patel, former ambassadors, Jeffrey Ross Gunter, and Rick Grinnell. On behalf of the pod team and Alan, who's no longer with us, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great weekend. Happy St. Patrick's Day one more time, and take care. Falls are the number one cause of injury to senior citizens. Acorn Stairlifts has a solution. Hey, I'm Joe Biden, and I come making up a flight of stairs without falling on my ass. It's starting to get embarrassing. Thank God for acornstairlifts.com. That's right. Don't let limited mobility keep you from going up and down your stairs. Acorn's trained technicians professionally install your stairlift directly to the staircase. We don't leave until you're completely comfortable using your Acorn Stairlift. Call for your free no-obligation information tip and quote from Acorn Stairlifts. Call 1-877-251-1574 for your free information kit.